0: Welcome back to Horoscope Witch, it's Mal, and today I just wanted to kind of pop on here, do a sort of rambly episode about the last four months of my life and how I've quite quickly jumped into you know, being a professional psychic and just my experience in the first four months of this role. And I also kind of wanted to take this time to reintroduce myself too, because uh you know there could be some new people listening to this right now who don't know me, but I also know that I've had some pretty faithful listeners from the very beginning <laughs> when I started this uh podcast uh maybe like six six seven eight months ago. I'm not sure, so basically. Hi, I'm Mal. (laughs) I'm a professional tarot reader. I'm also uh, kind of in the midst of becoming a Reiki master. If you don't know what Reiki is, it's a form of energy healing uh, rooted in the Japanese tradition. I love it. I didn't think I was going to love it, but we'll talk about that more in a second. Uh, I'm also a student of astrology. In the past couple months, I've been um, kind of. Upping my astrology game because, as you know, if you've been listening to this for a while, you know that I've been self-taught, and it's not that uh, <laughs> I—it's not that I thought that I wasn't good enough, uh, but I felt like it was sort of my duty now to take this more seriously and seek a professional astrologer to tutor me and to sort of validate what I've learned on my own in the past uh, let's say five or six years and it's not to say that you know (laughs) if I didn't think I really knew anything about astrology it's not like I would get on this podcast and start spewing bullshit at you guys and (laughs) like obviously I truly believe that I know astrology well regardless of me being tutored by a professional now but uh, there, there. It came to my attention that there's a lot of bullshit astrology out there, and I felt as though I did not want to contribute to that. <laughs> and it's not to say that you need a uh, professional tutoring or you need a class or whatnot to speak about astrology, but I also think that uh. I sort of had a humbling moment where I was like, okay, I knew I was able to grasp uh, the planets and the zodiac signs and the symbols. And there was a point where I felt like I had learned a lot uh, that most people actually probably can't manage to learn on their own. And that's not to like say that I'm smarter or better than anybody else who's trying to learn astrology, but astrology is extremely, extremely difficult. And that's what most people don't realize. So I think I got to a point in my astrological study, probably around March, where I just felt like I had learned as much as I could by myself. And I needed to seek someone to sort of validate what I've learned. I I kind of needed that push from my teacher where he, you know, just hearing him say, like, wow, like, you, you know this, like, you've learned a lot. Like, you're a very advanced student. Just even hearing that validation helped me because I think there was a part of me where, you know, I listen to all of these uh, astrology podcasts, even stuff like obviously stuff that's not my own, like stuff that professional astrologers have been putting out uh, on podcasts. Like, I don't know if you listen to Anne Ortley or Jessica Laniato. Those are some of my favorite professional astrologers. And I just figured if I want to be a professional astrologer, I need to at least spend a little bit of time with someone who has more experience than me if that makes sense now again that doesn't mean that uh you can't be a self-taught astrologer because there is part of me that still believes i am a self-taught astrologer but also do a justice to this to this study know that this is an ancient study that should be respected, right? And you know, I'm a fan of Twitter astrology (laughs) as much as the next person. And I'm a fan of all these like meme accounts on Instagram that are making fun of the signs. And all of that is great. And all of that is funny. And I I love that main that astrology is mainstream. I truly do. But I think there does have to be a respect for the art and the craft. And I know in my life, like if I'm really going to walk the path and make it my goal to be a professional astrologer who's respected in the astrology community. And if I'm going to write books on astrology, uh, I need to go on this path with just like the utmost respect for the study. Right. So that's kind of been my astrology journey so far kind of going forth if you feel like you are drawn to you know being a professional astrologer or leading any sort of um, you know professional natal chart readings you want to charge for your knowledge of astrology I would just say just from my own experience uh, having a tutor has actually given me the confidence to start doing that or at least start uh, looking into doing that more. Uh, finding that sort of mentor that can help you and guide you. And there are some, you know, I'll be honest, like my astrology teacher, he is extremely traditional, right? So he's done a birth chart reading with me to sort of show me how he Uh, consults or what a consultation looks like in his eyes right and there are certain things that he does that don't vibe with me and that's totally okay right because you know with anything that I do in the spiritual community I feel like I'm a very clear mix of the traditional but also putting my own spin on it. And that's also something that you have to remember. Astrology, yes, it's a science. It's a math. And you should know the science. And you should know the math. But it's also, it's psychic, right? It's intuitive. And you can't lead a successful natal chart consultation if it's purely based off the books. You know what I mean? Like If it's purely you flipping through books and looking up the definitions of what everything means and uh, writing that down verbatim and then spewing that on your client. Like that's not what a professional natal chart reading is. Uh, it does have to do something or rather, it has something to do with yes, the science and the math behind it. But I have to use my intuition, right? Uh, I have to I have to use the the birth chart as sort of a channel, and I can look at a birth chart and I can get psychic hits of where this person has come from in a past life, right? I get psychic hits about their childhood and how they experienced their parents. And that's sort of the beautiful thing about astrology. I think it's the one uh, psychic art form that also has math and science to back it up. Uh, and I think that's what most people don't understand about astrology. Uh, they either think, they either go all intuitive, 100% intuitive with it, or 100% math and science with it, right? And I think there has to be a happy medium between the two. And for me, I think I sort of have the opposite challenge uh, than most people because I think most people will start off astrology and start studying the, the logistics of it. And with that, their intuition will develop. So you can use astrology to develop your intuition, just like you can use tarot to develop your intuition, although I would say that tarot is a quicker and better tool for developing psychic ability than astrology, but that's just me. That's just my personal experience. But anyways, like I said, you know, most people will develop their intuition over time. Now, I'm kind of the opposite. Like, I come into this world with a psychic gift And this psychic gift I've brought in from a past lifetime, right? So I come into this world, it's not like I've always um, identified as a psychic, but it's become apparent definitely in the last four months of being a professional psychic that like, this is a gift that I bring in, right? So I already have that. It's it's not to say it's easy for me. It's not to say I didn't have to develop my, uh, my ability. And it's not to say I'm done developing my ability, because I'm certainly not. And I have so much to learn and so much to develop. But at the end of the day, There is just something about me and my astrology and the karma that I brought into this lifetime that makes me extremely psychic. And that's something that, you know, can take over in an astrology reading, I've noticed. (laughs) Uh, There's sometimes, um, I've been doing some mock consultations with my co-workers and it's been kind of fun to sort of see the mistakes I'm making that's the other thing about doing astrology consultations professionally uh, don't be afraid to have uh, guinea pigs don't be afraid to ask your friends like hey can I sit you down and can we talk about your chart and let's see how I do better yet ask someone you don't really know that well or ask just an acquaintance because that's also going to be a better test of your intuition and ability if you're reading for someone who's a stranger, someone you don't know that well, that goes for anything. That goes for tarot, mediumship, astrology, Reiki. Uh, those, you know, you're gonna want to get some practice on strangers. But nevertheless, with the whole thing about intuition taking over in an astrology consultation, at least for me. Uh, like I guess maybe probably a month ago, I was doing an astrology consultation with uh, my my boss's husband, and uh, it just became apparent that you know I made a mistake. It's not that I made a mistake, and it's not that it was a bad reading, but like literally thirty minutes into the reading. I wasn't even looking at the the chart anymore <laughs> like I just got completely sidetracked and I was just getting download 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 about spirit and by the end of the whole thing uh my boss's husband was like okay yeah like I, it was good like you gave me the message I needed like it was a good reading but he's like I still know nothing about what my aspects mean <laughs> Like, I still know nothing about like, what does it mean that I have my moon in my first house? And I'm like, oh, fuck, you're right. You're so right. Because that's where I have to be careful in an astrology reading, because I will just like, we sit down, I'm in with spirit, me and spirit are talking on the phone, and I'm just going. And I have to remember, I have to look at the chart, I have to stay on task, now, in a tarot reading, it's it's perfectly fine for me to just get off task because uh, I do find myself now, uh, sometimes I don't, I know it sounds kind of cliche, but I don't need the cards. And that's also something you're going to realize as you go down this path and as you uh, read cards more as you do astrology. Uh, some, sometimes there's going to be a moment where you don't need the cards, uh, and you realize that you are the only divination tool that you need, right? And, uh, I don't know. I just can't, I can't empathi- empath- emphasize that <laughs> enough. Uh, your, your intuition knows no bounds and, uh, you don't need the cards i mean you do but you don't right you don't need the astrology you do but you don't (laughs) it's just a process of developing your intuition and know and trusting that and knowing that and i think the more trust you can have in yourself the faster you can develop your gift if that makes sense uh and i think you know Clarissa Pinkola Estés in Women Who Run With the Wolves she was truly right. She truly knew what she was talking about when she said intuition really does develop with constant practice because now my life has led me into a place where this is my gig like I don't have a second job like this is what I'm doing <laughs> with my life like I don't have a day job this is my day job <laughs> and that's pretty scary and I don't think that most psychics start off like that but granted in starting off like that and just throwing myself into the fire I have to be in spirit all the time and I have to you know show up to work and start communicating with the other side and the fact that I do that regularly makes uh, I guess has kind of catapulted me into so many other things and I think it's made my journey go very quickly. (laughs) Like even last night when I was with my astrology teacher and we were you know doing a lesson and part of it we were looking at my chart and he you know there's so many things in my chart right now that are pointing to my life moving very quickly and very fast uh specifically my my mars in my secondary progress chart uh, like my whole life mars in my progress chart has been retrograde but starting in january of 2019 that mars went direct uh and that in in astrological terms like mars going direct in a progressed chart that is just like lighting the fire the fire has been ignited and even my astrology teacher said you know mal you're going so fast with this like you're you're just quickly you know, moving into this, like, you haven't even been doing this for a year. And you're already going so fast. And I said, Yeah, you're so right. And it scares me how fast I'm going and how fast I think spirit has put me in this position. Because like I said, so I started working in the shop I work at. Uh, I'm located in the suburbs of Chicago. And I started working there in December 2018 so now at the end of the month so December January February March April so I've been doing you know this professional work for five months now and a lot has happened in five months and to be honest with you when I started this journey I thought that this was just going to be a fun Friday night gig that I would do for fun like on the side But once I took on this job, it became very apparent that spirit was like, no, this isn't something fun. This is not something that you just, you know, do and you're like, oh, yeah, like, I'm super cool. I do this thing on Friday nights. I read tarot at a shop. They're like, no, no, that's not that's not your life. Right. (laughs) And I'm not throwing shade at you if you do do this on the side for fun absolutely. Keep doing your thing. I'm not saying you're, you're any less of a reader than I am, but it just became apparent that my guides were like, this isn't for fun. Like it's fun. Don't get me wrong. Like I love my job and it's fun, but they were like, this is serious. This is your career. This is you, you know, you have to take this on. And I'm not kidding. Every single, as the months progressed, I became busier and busier at the shop and I got more and more days and I've more and more clients came trickling in. And every time I would go to sort of seek out a second job, uh, spirit would just give me a hard no. <laughs> like anytime I would be Googling like, you know, is there something I can, you know, do on the side or in the meantime, every time I went to sort of get something else or do something else, uh, subsidize my income (laughs) in some way, spirit would just give me this no, like, no, I can't even explain it. But it was as if I was being called and I am being called to put every ounce of my energy into this. And that's very terrifying. And I don't think there's many psychics who start off like this. Uh, granted, I'm in the position to start off in this way, right? Like, I, I'm i not, like, I still live with my parents, right? Like, they don't charge me rent. So I'm privileged in that way. I don't, like, I have a privileged situation where I can just work as a psychic, but no matter how much money i make per day i still come home to a roof over my head right and i don't have to worry about paying a huge bill where a lot of people my age do right granted it's not my goal to be in this position (laughs) it's my goal to you know be self-sustaining and do this as a living and i want this to be you know my gig and i think that is truly where spirit's gonna lead me in the next couple years But also it's important to note that like I don't have it all figured out and I have no idea where this is going. And part of me is terrified that I am going to, you know, not be able to make this work. And uh, like some part of this is going to be taken away and I'm not going to be able to do this full time anymore. And I don't even want to put that into existence but that is definitely a fear of mine. At the same time, I just trust. I'm in this position right now where I trust that so deeply that spirit has my back. And that this is the work that I'm meant to do, right? Like, I don't know. That's just, that's just how I feel. And, you know, I'm a Pisces, right? <laughs> and uh, there's just certain things about me that I'm unwilling to compromise my, my soul's path, right? I'm unwilling to settle, and there's just certain things in my life that I'm going to have to do that aren't going to make sense logically. But I have no choice. You know, I, I follow my soul. <laughs> I follow my soul's journey. And that's just who I am. And we'll see where this all go goes. I mean, this could in a year all blow up in my face. And I could just have to, you know, do whatever and, you know, not be able to do this anymore full time. But uh, as of now... It's very much my intention to just jump into this and see where this takes me. And I don't know if I'm going to be working at a shop for the rest of my life. But right now, that path does suit me. And uh, I do enjoy, you know, working in a place where other psychics are working. And I do enjoy bouncing off ideas of other people and seeing... The other generation of psychics, too. That's the other thing. Uh, you will notice, especially if you're a young practitioner or just a young person on a spiritual journey, I think you'll notice that there's a huge discrepancy between the new generation of intuitives and an older generation of psychics, right? And that's not to throw shade at anyone who listens to my podcast who's, you know, an older practitioner or of an older generation who, you know, they focus on spirituality. Like, I'm not throwing shade at your age at all. If anything, what I'm trying to say and making that point is that what... um psychics uh, my age are trying to get away from we're trying to get away from that whole stereotype of you know the old lady in a turban peering over a crystal ball trying to take all your money and (laughs) sorry if that sounds crass but truly I find myself fighting that stereotype like every day and when I see older practitioners um sort of acting out that stereotype it pisses me off because like nothing makes me angrier than that stereotype that's what you don't realize <laughs> I don't like that at all and I don't uh, oh gosh now I'm getting mad but I think that like a person and I'm not I'm not saying at all that all older practitioners or all old older psychics are like this. Like in fact, most most that I meet are not like this. Uh, I've but I have witnessed a few people um, who do this. Like they are. Uh, first of all, what you need to know is that there's like sort of an inherent wound around being a psychic and making money. That's one thing that we all have to realize. Being a psychic and making money traditionally don't go together, right? If you think of um, like that stereotype of a psychic, you sort of think of like a gypsy or someone who's sort of, uh, I don't know, ripping people off uh, saying, you know, uh, 30 minutes is up, you owe me a hundred bucks. Also, there's a demon attached to you. You're going to have to come back next week. And I'm going to have to order you this herb from Ethiopia, but it's going to cost $500. But it's really the only thing that's going to cure the demon that's attached to you. So why don't you come back next week and give me that $500 and we'll fix this. (laughs) now that kind of sounds ridiculous but I'm not kidding how many like you don't know guys how many people come in for an appointment with me and they tell me that they think they have a demon attached to them like I I, I can't even talk about that (laughs) like I and I also I mean truly when people say that I just am like this is fucking nuts. And part of um part of my duty as a psychic is to not judge the person that is sitting across from me, right? I'm not I'm not here to pass judgment on you. And but I can't help and I don't blame people for thinking that, right? I don't blame people for thinking they have like demons attached to them or whatever. Uh because I think that's kind of a fear That perhaps the older generations of psychics have maybe put on people, right? Um, But most of the time, like 98% of the time, that is not true, right? Most of the time you don't have any sort of negatives. You might have negative energy attached to you, but it's probably coming from you, right? It's probably your own garbage manifesting. It's typically not an outside force that's attached to you. Where am I going with this? <laughs> I guess I'm just trying to make a point about uh, like the influence a psychic can have on a person's life. And I wanted to talk about ethics in this episode, although I'm sure this is already so rambly. I'm not even sure if people can make sense of what I'm talking about. <laughs> but we're just going to keep going. Um, when we're talking about the ethics of being a psychic, that needs to be at the forefront of your practice and who you are. And Even if you are just an intuitive who's reading tarot for their friends on the side, I would strongly suggest that you have some form of ethics that you have under your belt so you know where your boundaries are. I say this because, and I'll admit to you guys, when I started this work, I had no idea what my ethics were. i I had no idea where my boundaries were. And I thought that because I'm a quote unquote, good person with quote unquote, good intentions, I thought that was enough. And I thought it was enough to just want to genuinely help people on their on the path of their highest good. Like, I don't know, like there was part of me that felt like I didn't really, it didn't really click with me that I needed to have a certain set of rules for myself, because my intentions were always good, right? But you know what they say about good intentions, right? (laughs) So that was one of the points I just wanted to make in general about The ethics of being a psychic is that you need to have ethics (laughs) just in general and they don't have to be the same as my ethics that I'm going to share with you, but you need to have something that is uh, not only to protect your client, but most of all, to protect you and your integrity and your self-respect, right? If you have no ethics, you're actually going to allow people to take advantage of your gift And uh, that's not good, right? Because when you allow people to take advantage of your gift, you're actually disrespecting spirit, right? So for instance, this is a really common thing that people do, and I'm guilty of, um, the whole thing about giving free readings uh, and not charging people that you know you should be charging. So for me, there's... Uh, my kind of rule is that there's less than, there's probably about five people in my life. Uh, okay, maybe that's, okay, let's say maybe there's seven people, <laughs> less than 10 people <laughs> in my life who I will read for free. Uh, and that's part of that is because I make my this is my living right like even though I don't pay rent (laughs) there's still expenses that I pay right like I'm not a total daddy warbucks like white girl right (laughs) like there's still there's still some things I need I pay for right like I need to have an income to survive right and uh, that is part of the reason why i you, you need to have boundaries, especially if you're doing this as some part of your income. You need to have boundaries around you know who you read for for free and who you charge uh granted uh when you actually feel in your gut that you should not be reading for this person for free and you do it anyways and you allow them to take advantage of you. That is disrespecting spirit. That's disrespecting your gift. And that's disrespecting yourself. So just remember that. And I'm not trying to shame you. Uh, I'm just more sharing that because I've done that and it doesn't feel good. And I've read for people that I knew I should have charged. Um, and these aren't, you know, these aren't people that. Um, like sometimes I will reach out to people, especially in the beginning of my journey. I reached out to some horoscope witch followers who are really great friends of mine, and I reached out to them and I said, Hey, can I give you actually a free reading because I'm about to open my Etsy shop and I want to sort of practice and make sure the process runs smoothly and I want to give you a free reading. Like that's totally fine, right? Like if you're giving someone a free reading for the purpose of experimentation or for the purpose of them. Being your guinea pig, go right ahead, right? But there's certain times where I knew that I didn't need, you know, for this friend or this person, I didn't need to practice tarot on them, right? Like I'm a professional reader who gets paid to do this. So there have been times that I'm like, God, I should not have read for that person for free. They're not even my good friend and now I feel fucking drained and my energy's depleted and I have to go take like an hour salt bath. (laughs) So like literally I should have at least had that person, you know, buy me some salt for when I, when they energetically drain me, when I, (laughs) for when I let them energetically drain me and then I have to go take a salt bath. You guys get me. There has to be some... Uh, certain thing about money, right? That's probably the first ethic you should start thinking of. Now, it's more maybe even more importantly than that, something that's scary, um, not scary, but uh, something that makes me feel uncomfortable at times about doing this work is that um, A, people will remember what you say and B, People will repeat what you say. <laughs> so with those two things in mind, um, you know, you have to know your power. And for me, that's one of the most difficult things because I don't like to think that I have the power to say something to change someone's life. Granted, that's a gift that I need to embrace And I'm not trying to sound cocky, like, oh my God, like I just, you know, I'm the best psychic ever. I just lead people, you know, to breakthroughs and on their path and like, no, no, I don't think of myself like that. But, uh, you know, it's true that, you know, I've seen people have realizations about their lives from the things I say. And the things you say are powerful. And that can be a very positive thing, but that can also be a very negative thing. Uh, For instance... Um, I'll have people come into the shop who have never read with me before and they'll sit down and they'll say something um, that uh, Madame Leota, the whatever 75-year-old psychic in a turban who's you know, making money and charging money off of you and telling you stuff to just get your cash, um, they'll tell me what Madame Leota told them 10 years ago. And how they're still thinking about that. Okay. That's fucking terrifying to me. <laughs> that A. Um, I could have the potential to say something to someone. That they would literally remember for that long. Right. Like I don't want that power. But part of doing this professionally. Is knowing that you do have your that power. And people do remember what you say to them. And now that 's not to say that uh, I sugarcoat everything I say because i 'm you know afraid of you know saying something bad that 's going to affect them no 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 like i 'm still an honest person i 'm still an in- I have integrity, and whatever's coming through, I will deliver it in the best way that I feel I can so sometimes when spirit gives me a message for someone. Uh, I feel the need that I need to uh, make it sound I don't want to say sugarcoat because I'm not sugarcoating but there's a way of putting something uh, a difficult message there's a way of delivering it in a good way and honestly that's called the art of being a good psychic or a good speaker right like you there oftentimes you're picking up on people's deepest deepest bullshit. <laughs> But, if you tell someone you know their deepest deepest bullshit in a very blunt way uh that could go two ways I mean, some people may be receptive to that, but most people won't won't be receptive to that and most people might even remember that for a very really long time you might even hurt someone 's feelings you might uh you know there's consequences to every single thing you say. And that's not to scare anybody away from this path. But just know that, yeah, your words have a price. And um, even good messages have a price. Uh, Even, um, like I'm trying to think, uh, if a reading goes really well, uh, and they really like what I had to say, and they, uh, a person may start to put me on sort of a pedestal. That's also a price of giving a good reading. People may start to think that you are some godly force. <laughs> um, the people may start to um, come to you and rely on you to make their decisions. And that's not my role. I'm not God. I am not here to tell you what to do with your life. Now, I think the art of being... A productive psychic, uh, something you might want to consider is that uh, humans always have free will, right? And although I do believe in fate, I also believe that there's a sort of a balance between fr- freight, <laughs> there's a balance between fate and free will that the human mind cannot fully conceptualize, right? So you'll see some people really, really pounding the hammer on um, this idea of free will and being like, I don't believe in destiny. I don't believe in fate. You know, we can change our shit. Like, and that's true, right? But I mean, I have to say, like, if you're an astrologist, you're looking at fate. You know, you're looking at the fate that your soul carried into this world. And... I think people may have the tendency to view people who believe in fate as sort of stupid or, uh, like dreamers or crystal gazers or just ill-informed, uh, And I don't, or unscientific, right? That's the thing. When you, our inherent disbelief of fate and destiny actually goes hand in hand with our Western conceptualization of scientific thought, right? Because we need to know that we've internalized this principle that truth must have a evidence, right? Uh, Without evidence, there is no truth, Whereas uh, spirituality and astrology and even sometimes a tarot reading or whatnot, uh, it actually challenges that and it, it leads us to more of a school of thought, well, uh, not everything has to have proof and not everything has to have a reason or a thought behind it or uh, you may just feel something just because you feel it and you have really no explanation of why you feel it. It just is. and. That's what really fate is. It's, it's not so much this predestined um, on, you know, July 28th, 2020, you will be married to X, Y, and Z. That's not what fate is. But I think fate is your soul's journey. And fate is the reason your soul chose to reincarnate into this body. Your free will is how you act out your fate, Right. So that's also something I think a psychic has to understand. Uh, there's a sort of balance between those two. And you also, you know, never forget to remind your client that they have free will. Uh, you, you don't want to go throughout a reading making the client think that they're, they're just destined for this outcome, right? That's why I try to give multiple outcomes, right? Even if spirit is, let's say, you know, telling me, uh, you know, this woman, you know, who's asking about her partner, you know, I may know psychically that this partner is toxic, right? Uh, I may know this partner is not in her highest good, but as a good psychic, I may give her two outcomes. I may say, you know, this is what happens if you leave this relationship and embrace yourself, and this is this may happen if you continue to be with this person. Right now, there there is the balance between bluntness and sugarcoating, <laughs> which is it's hard for me sometimes. Like, and that's certain in my chart, in my birth chart, my um my Mars opposes my Mercury, right? So sometimes I struggle with that uh, bluntness versus sugarcoating and the Pisces in me wants to give someone, empower someone and really give them an uplifting message and I want to inspire them to go throughout their life living on their soul's path. But then that Mars in me, I have Mars in my first house, that Mars in me wants to be like, you know, just give it to them. (laughs) And be like, yo, you ain't on your path, homie. Like, what are you doing? Why are you fucking around? Why are you with this douchebag? Like, they're holding you back. Like, let's go, you know. (laughs) So in that sort of practice of making sure that you're giving your client options, you're showing them that they have power and they have free will, that's also sort of the true way to empower someone, right? Um, what else? There's also something, uh, yeah, like I said, people will repeat what you say. So just know that. just know and that's not to make it make you nervous, uh, but I've noticed that people repeat what I say and they will tell others what you said. Uh, and that's uncomfortable for me, but there's no way of getting around that because uh, you can't guarantee that what you say stays in the room. Right. Like with my own integrity, like I wouldn't discuss a client reading. Right. It, unless it was in. And I'll be honest with you, if there was something that happened in a reading that I felt like I needed to seek guidance from my mentor or my boss or something like that, I would maybe bring it up to them in vague terms in a confidential way where I would say, hey, you know, this happened in the reading. Um what would you have done in this situation, okay? That's valid, right? But it's not like I'm going to get on this podcast and talk about verbatim what happened in a reading, right? So you do need to have that confidentiality, but also know that your client may not have that confidentiality. And that's why it's a little bit dangerous. You're walking a thin line, especially if... um, a person is asking you very specific questions like it, like for instance okay the famous question is my husband cheating on me okay be very careful how you answer that how you pull on that uh even in my certain protocol is if someone asks me about infidelity I will automatically turn that uh, back on them and I will say well Uh, what spirit is, you know, and sometimes this spirit comes through and they will say, well, maybe you need to ask this person, why do they feel the need to ask, uh, why do they feel the need to question the truth of their significant other, right? And I may pull on that. I may not actually pull on the question, is my husband cheating on me? But I will pull on where is the mistrust in this relationship? Why is there mistrust in this relationship? What is um, unstable in the foundation of this relationship? And why is it leading to this questioning to this mistrust? Right? Um, And know that worst case scenario. And by the way, this is a real story that I've heard from a psychic who's been practicing for like 30 plus years. Uh, like there was an instance in this person's life where she was a young psychic, and she did not know she didn't really uh, think this through. And she told someone that yes, you know, your significant other is being unfaithful. And and this person, what do they do? Well, of course, they're going to confront their significant other and they're going to say, hey, this psychic told me you're being uh, unfaithful and their partner came back to the shop and like threatened the psychic, right? <laughs> so know that like your words, not only do they have power, they can get you in trouble and they can be dangerous and you don't want to be putting yourself in danger, right? Right uh so no just know that you have such a deep responsibility for what you say and uh y- you need to, you need to take that seriously and that's something that i had to learn really really fast and i'm not saying that i know everything and again i've only been doing this psychic work for like 5 months right and i still have so much to learn but if anything those two things uh your words have power people will remember what you say and people will repeat what you say. Those are the things that you really, really, really have to remember. (laughs) And also, you know, not everybody will twist your words, but there are some people who will. Uh, And uh, I think that's when your integrity Um, comes into play. Because I did have an instance recently, and again, this isn't to reveal any confidential information about me and a client working together, but I'll just speak about it in very vague terms. Um, There was a client that I read for uh, the first time, uh, who came back a second time for another reading with me. And this client said, well, hey, you said this and last time, and I just don't think that was true. And la 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 la. And it kind of like jolted me because I was like, oh my god, like, this is my first a situation where I've offended someone <laughs> with what I said. Like I've I've actually offended someone, and I was, and of course it wasn't it wasn't ill intentioned, but what I said did hit a nerve with her, right? And uh, of course she would come back and say, you know, well this that's not true. That's just not true. That can't be true, even though you know intuitively, psychically, I kind of felt like what I said was actually the truth. And maybe she wasn't ready to hear it. uh, But it it was a little bit uncomfortable. And I was put in a position where I had to apologize to this client. And I had to say, hey, you know what, I'm sorry, I should have worded that differently. Let's pull on it again. And that actually allowed me to reword the same message in a different way, right? And I'm glad spirit gave me that opportunity to do so. And I'm glad spirit gave me that, that lesson, because I think in that situation, I was perhaps more blunt with that client when I should have leaned more on the careful side. That's also something you're going to feel certain clients, you can lead more on the blunt side, certain clients, they they can handle what you have to say and um, I think they there's certain clients that perhaps are more self-aware like for instance if I'm reading for another psychic I kind of have no filter like I'm just gonna give it to them because I know if I'm reading for another psychic who I trust and I work with especially I know they're gonna want to know like the the dirty details of like exactly how they're playing out their shadow side or like how they're you know living through their vices or living through a childhood wound they want to know this information very bluntly and i'm not saying that like most people can't handle that cuz i think most people do and most people are very receptive but Again, there's an art to how you say things. And I find myself in a lot of readings, uh, we do have to, Spirit does have me bring up childhood things. And again, there has to be an art of how we say that, how, how we communicate with that. Uh, you know, you can't just tell everybody, yo, you know, you're like living through your childhood trauma right now, right? Like, you know, you're projecting your childhood trauma onto everyone and everything, right? Like, <laughs> even though sometimes that is the case um, that's not going to get anywhere. I'm not going to, you know, push someone on their highest path. I'm not going to break through to someone if I put it like that. Uh, and yeah, just, just know, you know, your words have power. And in that specific instance where I had the opportunity to sort of apologize (laughs) and humble myself to this client for a message that I should have interpreted or I should have worded differently, I realized that, you know, the wording, it's an art form, right? It's such an art form. Um, What else can I say about ethics? Uh, Oh, there was something I wanted to bring up. And I have this book, uh, it's called The Practical Young, Nuts and Bolts of the Jungian Psychotherapy. And it's basically like a summary of a lot of the things that Carl Jung uh, would have said in his theory of psychotherapy. And there's something in this book that I found really interesting. And um, there's a small section, it's titled, Why Would Anyone Want to Be a Psychotherapist of Any Kind? And he gives a couple reasons of why someone would want to be a psychotherapist or a therapist or a counselor or whatever you want to call them, a psychiatrist. Um, and I felt like it also applied to one of some of the reasons why people may want to be psychics. Uh, and okay, let me read these lists. So why would anyone want to become a psychotherapist? So they want protection against looking inside of themselves. They have psychological problems they want to solve. They are driven by an inner muse. They are intensely curious about the mind. They are philosophical at heart. They have seen mental illness and want to be a healer. They want power over people. They idealize some therapist or analyst. They are intrigued by mind body relationships. Because like the mountain, it is there. (laughs) So I really like that list. And I like to take that into consideration. Because in that list, um, you can see how there was sort of some quote-unquote positive reasons why someone may drawn, be drawn to become a therapist. And there's some negative reasons why someone may dr- be drawn to be a therapist. And I can't help but think even though being a psychic and being a therapist are two different things... I think the reasons why people may gravitate towards these roles are the same, right? And going back to that whole Madame Leota stereotype, uh, you know, if you guys watch uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, I just finished season two, and in season two, there's an episode with this older tarot card reader, and I'm like, oh, God, no, like, I hate that. I hate that stereotype. Um But let's just call this, you know, Madame Leota. She's in a turban. She has a crystal ball. She's scaring you. She's telling you you have a demon attached to you. She's charging you $500 for this weird herb she has to get in Brazil. And she's got to get it shipped and la la la. So, okay, Madame Leota. So what's her reason for being a psychic? Um, If we're going off that list I just read. I would have to say it's probably... A mixture of you know this Madame Lyoda, she probably wants protection against looking inside of herself, and she probably also wants power over people. Oh God, guys! Um, so I think there has to be an acknowledgement that there's a certain shadow side of a psychic, uh, where you know, or a therapist too, either of those roles. You know, the shadow side of that is that we spend all day uh, looking into other people's problems, right? So it's actually quite an excellent career path if you want to avoid looking at yourself. Um, <laughs> however, you're not doing the career justice if you use this role uh to avoid looking at your own problems and spend your time giving advice to people um you know about their problems but you don't take the moment to actually look at yourself and i think one of the things that i learned is that you know i can avoid this like perhaps i have that shadow side like perhaps um there's a deep part of my shadow side that doesn't want to look at my own problems and so in going to work every day and doing psychic work for others, it's, you know, it's a distra- it might be a distraction of looking at my own problems because I'm so invested in other people's shit. Uh, okay, so how do we counterbalance that shadow side? Well, something we have to remember is, and something that I pray, I'd say a prayer before I start the work day and I say, Spirit, please allow me to heal and be healed, right and in saying that I remind myself that every reading that I give is medicine for me too right and I find that I think I said this on uh, maybe the last episode uh there's a certain uh, you're going as a psychic or as a practitioner, you're going to attract people who who you actually share the same journey with in a way, like you share the same shadow sides or you share the same issues. Uh, like for instance, something that I've been like deeply struggling with is the fact that. Um, Like my identity for so long was wrapped up in um, academia. And I found so much validate my ego found so much validation in, you know, being a really good student and getting straight A's and getting all these awards or whatever. And, um, you know, la la la. And so to have that you know, stripped away, and now I'm on a different path that really has no, um, academic credentials in, in, like, I don't know, like, not to say that people who are psychics aren't smart, um, because I believe psychics are deeply smart, and astrologers are deeply, you know, uh, intelligent, and la la la, but, you know, through the eyes of academics, like, you know, astrology isn't really taught at, uh, like a Ivy League university or something like that. Or maybe it is in, in a different context, but uh, what am I trying to say? Like, for instance, just in that issue I'm having, this is a really deeply seated ego issue for me because uh, there's a part of me that really wants to be recognized for my intellect. And I really want people to know that I'm smart. <laughs> God damn it, I'm intelligent. So now that I have to tell people that I'm a psychic, well, that's lighting up a sort of shadow side where when I say I'm a psychic, I'm deeply afraid that people are going to think I'm silly, that I'm not smart, that I'm dumb, that I I don't know what I'm talking about, that I must be crazy to think that I have this, you know, gift or whatever. So... Okay, so what readings do Spirit send me, right? Of course, I've read for like, I don't know, four English teachers, three English teachers in the past couple months, um, kind of struggling with the same thing. I've also read for a lot of people who are struggling with their path, feeling pressure to go to grad school, um, but they don't really feel like it's aligned. Again, my exact life. Uh, I also read for people... I've been reading for a lot of people who have um, deeply seated self-worth issues, and that's something that I ha- also have, and then I'll admit that I have. So in approaching a reading in that way and thinking, okay, this is also a message for me, that's how we sort of counterbalance the shadow side of the psychic who is like? Oh, I'm just doing this. You know, maybe they're subconsciously just doing this work to avoid their own problems, right? They get a high off of giving other people advice, but they don't actually work on themselves. Uh, so, and I've seen those type of psychics, unfortunately, and most of them are in the older generation. Again, not to throw shade to anybody, but uh, that's just that's just what I've witnessed. Uh, Okay, so the other big shadow side of being a therapist or being a psychic, um, you, you know, one of your shadow sides may be that you want to have power over people. And that's the whole thing that I just said about your words having power. Uh, some people may subconsciously start to buy into this, and they may start getting a high off of people listening to what they say, or people, you know, blindly trusting what they say. So how do we take away that shadow side in us Maybe part of us wants to have power over people. Um, it's kind of like a drug to us. Uh, uh, I'm thinking of like, you know, regardless of the difference between spirituality and religion, you have to admit that there's some similarities between um, like a power thirsty priest and and a power-thirsty psychic, right? It's the same problem. Um, It's like that cult leader shadow side uh, that a lot of psychics have, or even, I mean, some yoga teachers I've seen (laughs) have sort of like this sort of cult leader mentality where like there's like a certain high off of, you know, a group of people following what they say, right? And uh, like believing what they say or like following their philosophy, um And yeah, that, that's always apparent when we're talking about spirituality and religion. That's always a shadow side that's going to be present. Now, how do we acknowledge that in ourselves and take and sort of counterbalance it? Well, always remember in a reading, a reading is about you empowering the client to make the decision for themselves, right? So I think part of the reason some psychics get, power hungry or power thirsty is they realize that they have power to sort of help people make decisions which is good right like I mean most psychic readings involve someone being on the fence should I do this or should I do that um should I make this decision or should I do that But, you know, that's not your job. It's not your job to make the decision for the person. It's your job to empower the person to make the decision for themselves, right? And if you really knew what the cards meant, um, when the cards fly out, you have to know that you are really not telling this person anything they don't already know, right? You're just sort of revealing their subconscious to them. And if you're a psychic practitioner in any sense, or you're an intuitive, or even you're a Reiki practitioner, any sort of spiritual practitioner, um, you may have instances where you say something and the client says, oh, you're so right. And you know what? I always knew that deep down ding, 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 you know, that's the, that's the joy of doing this work, because you get to validate someone in what they already know, okay, so don't get it in your head that you're, like, you know, telling this person these, like, mind-blowing realizations, because even if you do give someone a mind-blowing realization, uh just know that they that has to come from them, right? Like that's their own journey and that's their own realization and although you help them get to that point, uh it's still about empowering them. It's still about, you know, letting them know that they ha- have all the ingredients in front of them. They have everything they need to do to manifest their life, right? So that's the other thing I wanted to say. Um What else? What else? I have all these sticky notes in front of me because my laptop broke down. (laughs) So that might be why this is like such a rambly uh, episode. But I just I kind of wanted to just be really no notes, free, free flying. (laughs) And, you know, get get some things out that I've been experiencing. And I hope you some of you at least maybe enjoy a rambly episode. Hang on, I'm going to get a drink of water. Okay, so one other thing that I wanted to say was that I have written down, I have the Teresa Caputo lesson. (laughs) Um, Something else about uh, ethics, um, and I think of the psychic medium uh, who's on the show called Long Island Medium. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's on TLC. I actually don't know if it's airing anymore, but I used to love, I I still love that show, and... It's funny, I used to watch that show and I would just cry because it was just so powerful to see this medium, like Teresa Caputo, you know, she was able to give these people messages and have them cry, and uh, I never once thought that I could do that for someone. And when I actually do do that for someone, it still, it doesn't hit me that, like, I'm able to give that person that gift, right? Or, like, I'm able to um, help them or whatnot. Now... Before I, you know, say that Teresa Caputo's is unethical, um, <laughs> I don't think she's actually unethical. Like if you've ever seen the show, How It Works, uh, typically Teresa will be in like a public sometimes, or I should say sometimes Teresa will be in a public setting and we'll see her approach someone and say, hey, I'm a psychic medium. I have a message from, me- from one of your ancestors who's passed away. Did your dad you know pass away or whatever and she approaches these strangers um so i think in reality i'm not sure if the show actually works like that like i don't think that they actually can just start filming a stranger like i think there has to be someone who approaches this stranger first and at least says like hey are you willing to be filmed for this TV show? And then they'd probably say yes and sign a contract, and then Teresa would come in and, you know, give them their message. Uh, but granted, let's just say, you know, let's just take the show for at um, just for what it is, what we see on the screen. What we see on the screen at times is, is a psychic approaching a stranger in public to give them a message that they did not necessarily ask for. (laughs) Although perhaps it always kind of works out because it's a TV show, it works out as though they needed that message. But in real life, that's not always the case. And at work, we sort of use Teresa Caputo. We always say like, you know, we use her name as a verb. We're like, oh man, like, you know, I could have Teresa Caputo'd that person, but I didn't. Uh, Because sometimes that will happen when you're intuitive or if you're psychic, sometimes you will be in public and sometimes you will maybe get a download without even trying. Maybe you're standing next to someone in a grocery store. What if you get a download from someone? is it ethical to tell them? I I have to say, I don't think so. I don't think it's ethical to tap a shoulder, a stranger on the shoulder and say, yo, just so you know, you know, your grandma says hi. Like, I just don't think that's ethical. I think, um, you should not give messages to people who do not ask for them uh and if you if it's someone you know it's a different story if it's someone maybe closer to you like a family member or a friend uh you may approach it in a different way like saying um like hey just so you know um you know a message came through for you in my dream last night Uh, uh, would you like to hear what I have to say if you don't want to hear what I have to say no worries I won't let you know the message like that would be I think a more ethical way of Teresa Caputoing someone you know. But Teresa Caputoing strangers. Guys, this is not a good idea. And it's funny cuz I spirit kind of gave me that lesson, not that I did that, right? I would never do that even even before, you know, this instance, but one night after work, um, my mom called me and she asked me to pick up, uh, something from the store. It was just like a quick thing. I think it was like coffee creamer or something. And, uh, for some reason, spirit, I, there was a closer grocery store that I could have gone to, but spirit made me go to like the second furthest away. I didn't know why, but I was like feeling like I was going to run into someone that I needed to run into. So I just went to that grocery store and I'm walking through and like within 30 seconds of being in the store I actually saw um uh my classmate's mother from elementary school and this specific classmate is someone who died he died really young of like cancer and I wasn't even really his friend I didn't really talk to him like we I think we were in like a third grade or fifth grade class together um but you know uh and I, I've never really talked to his mom, but I knew, you know, I went to a small elementary school. So like I knew him and I knew enough to know that this was his mom. And also there was a part of me that knew that I had the ability when I saw her, I had the ability to tap into my classmate who was in on the other side. Um, and I probably could have given her a message from him, but I didn't do that, right? I didn't do that because she did, th- she had no idea who I was. Even if she did, I wouldn't have done that. And it just wasn't the time and place. We were in a grocery store. She wasn't seeking this message. And I had to sort of check myself before I wreck myself in that situation. Cause I'm like, yo, like, even though I have this, I could potentially, you know, I felt the presence of him on the other side. I felt like we, he could have came through to me uh, to talk to his mom, but it, it just wasn't right, right? And maybe one day, you know, she will, you know, coincidentally come into the shop I work at and, you know, ask in come into an appointment with me and I'll be able to give her that message. But, you know, you have to trust that, even though I could have connected with that person on the other side, you have to trust that, um, even if you don't give the living person the message from them, they're still gonna be okay. Like you know, spirit has odd ways of working, and there may still be a sign that he could have given his mom from the other side there still could have been a message that he'll figure out how to give her in some other way right so that's the Teresa Caputo lesson um don't Teresa Caputo strangers don't be like that right and that's also a very um uh I don't know like there's just something about the ego being the forefront in that, right? Like, why do you feel as though you have the right to go up to a stranger and give them a message uh, does that have something to do with you? or I'm sorry, does that have something something to do with wanting to help them? Or does that have something to do with your own ego? Uh, because again, that's also another shadow side of a psychic. Uh, you may feel at times like you want to prove your gift to people. And I'm not saying I'm above that, right? Like there have been times where I'm just... Reeling and I want to, you know, you know, someone might be a skeptic and I just want to, you know, let them have it from spirit and really blow their minds and prove. But that's not about them. That's about me. That's about me and my wounded ego, because it wounds my ego when someone doesn't believe that I have my gift. And what is that? If we peel that back even further, that's my own self-worth garbage, right? Because I don't have enough self-worth to validate myself, so then I go up to a skeptic and try to give them a message so they'll believe me and they'll validate me. Like, what the fuck is that? Not saying that I've done that, but I'm also not saying that I haven't been tempted to do that in the past, right? Uh, and it just takes, you know, you become, you know, there's two routes you can go uh, as as a psychic. You can become very self-aware of your own garbage or you can just close it all off and start becoming a very ego-centered um you can start operating from an ego-centered place, right? And just because you're a psychic and just because you have a connection from spirit that in no way means that you are like, oh, love and light, spiritual, I have no ego, I have no shadow side, I'm aware of all my problems. No, 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 no. You're still human, right? I'm still human. I still have all the sh- garbage anybody else has, right? And that's a part of the reason we have to humble ourselves. Um, Okay, so I think that's all I have to say about my psychic journey so far and about like what I've learned with ethics. And I hope that helped some of you. Now, I sort of want to just talk about some questions or some topics that I've been thinking of lately, either from you guys or just things that have come up about um, being a witch, being a psychic, um, also people asking me stuff about soulmates and twin flames. Uh, So let me take a quick break and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk about abundance spells and soulmates and also diets, uh, psychic uh, diets or spiritual diets. So come back in a second. All right, homies, I'm back. Uh, The first thing I want to touch on that some of you have asked me about, and I actually thought about making an entire episode on this, but then I was just like, you know what, let me just touch on that in this rambly episode. Uh, Just because I don't know if I want to spend so much time on talking about this, but a topic that that I've brought up and you've also brought up is sort of the spirituality of food. And uh, kind of about being spiritual and being intuitive and is it connected to veganism? Do you have to be a vegan or do you have to be a vegetarian to be spiritual? That kind of jazz. Uh, So I think one of the things that starts to happen as you develop your intuition and as you uh, take your spiritual life and your spiritual journey more seriously, you will, uh, without a doubt, you will start to Examine what you are putting into your body because you will start to notice that the foods that you're putting into your body actually affect your psychic ability. And uh, that might seem a little bit like what, like, but uh, for me at least, and in my journey, that's very true. Uh, Even the medications. And again, I say this very, very lightly. uh, By medications, I mean birth control. I'll just be honest, like hormonal birth control. um, I notice like a difference um, in my... I guess I know that's a very controversial topic. Maybe I shouldn't have brought that up, but I don't edit this shit, guys, so we're just going to leave it in there. But even like uh, going off of hormonal birth control, I did feel an effect um, in my personal body uh, with that in my intuition. Now, again, I'm not saying that's right for you if birth control is right for you keep on it. If eating meat is right for you in your spiritual journey, do what you do what you gotta do. Uh, I personally, I don't identify as a vegan. I actually don't identify my diet in any way. Uh, I sometimes I'll post on Instagram, uh, some recipes and stuff. And I do try to eat as vegan as possible. But what I've found is surprisingly, I feel like I actually can't do my best spiritual work when I'm purely eating an entirely plant-based diet. Ideally, I would like to be one hundred percent plant-based, uh, just for um, ethical reasons and reasons that have to do with uh, like the environment. Um, I believe that you know meat and the the meat industry is probably the worst thing that we're doing for our environment at the moment which is I mean why I think the whole plastic straw thing is so fucking funny right uh because like people are get so passionate about like not using plastic straws but they're eating a burger and I'm like are you fucking serious <laughs> like do you even realize how hypocritical you are or like what you I don't know um again not to offend anybody but are you for real like you you think that you using a metal straw but you eat like meat three times a day you think that's comparable because I don't think you're really doing much to save the environment now that's not to say that I'm judgmental about eating meat right but um where am I going with this this is already (laughs) really rambly uh, my personal diet is like mostly plant-based, but the point I'm trying to make is that in my spiritual work, I find that like intuitively, I practice in- I practice intuitive eating. So, if spirit tells me to. If I spiritually feel like I need to eat fish or I need to eat eggs in order to do my spiritual work, that's what I do, right? So my, again, like if I'm going to give you a synopsis of the diet that I eat, um, I don't eat meat. That's a hard no for me. Um, I try to stay away from dairy as much as I can uh so I'm uh, let's say a roughly let's say 90% dairy free uh of course if I go to someone's house and someone's cooking pasta or something I'm not going to make a big deal out of it like if dairy is offered to me uh if someone makes me something with the dairy in it I will eat it but if I'm cooking my own food I will not incorporate dairy um although the one hard no thing for me like the hard I, ain't, I don't eat it is meat, um, and that's for ethical reasons, that's for environmental reasons, like I said. But the two animal products I do eat regu- regularly are fish and eggs. Now, the reason I feel like I need to eat those, not that I have to justify my diet to anyone... Uh, and if by the way I'm sorry but if you are a vegan and you're you judge people for (laughs) eating animal products like I think you got to check yourself a little bit because you need to know that that diet is not for everyone and I give you all the kudos in the world for being able to do that and for being for you know I I think you're amazing. I think if your body feels the best being vegan, that's amazing. That's so, I'm so happy for you. Like genuinely, I'm not even being sarcastic. Like I think you're amazing. And if you can do your spiritual work and you, if you're a psychic practitioner and you're able to do that while being vegan, I applaud you. I wish I could be you, but I can't. And I've realized that for me personally, it takes so much energy for me to tap into spirit. It takes a lot of energy uh, when I'm, you know, practicing Reiki, even though Reiki isn't about using your own energy, it's about using universal energy. Even then, um, you know, there's just, there needs to be some kind of thing in my diet that gives me like a lot of sustenance that makes me feel really full. And granted, um, after a cycle. Psych- a long day of reading, if I've done a lot of readings, I feel very ungrounded. And some of the only things that can make me feel grounded again are by eating fish and eggs. Uh, Eating a salad after a long day of doing psychic work just does not work for my body, right? So I say this because I think there's like a weird thing in the spiritual community where like, uh, I don't know, like to be truly spiritual or to be truly intuitive, you have to be vegan or something. Is that a thing? Cause sometimes I'm seeing that and I'm like, uh, i <laughs> um, actually, most of the psychics that I know are not vegan at all. Uh, I know plenty of psychics, who feel they need to eat meat, they need to eat chicken, they need to eat, you know, a steak, you know, once in a while, and that's completely valid. And I don't judge that, you know, and I think it's important when you're spiritual, if you're in a spiritual path, uh, you, you start to learn that certain things that feel right to you may not be right for someone else, right? It, it just may not be right. So I'm just saying this, because I, I don't know, like, I uh, I almost feel like sometimes people are asking me about the spirituality of food and stuff, and I almost feel like they, some people, want me to get on here and be like, "If you're not vegan, you're not the real deal. <laughs> if you're not vegan, you're, you're you ain't spiritual," and that's just not true, right? Uh, I think that uh, there, even as a person who doesn't eat meat, uh, I think there is an ethical way to eat meat. It's just not available to me. Uh, like, I don't, for my personal ethics, I don't feel like for me it could ever be ethical to eat meat. Um, one of the reasons, uh, like personally, just how I feel about food, and I've thought about this deeply for a really long time, and I've felt that, um, For me, I think one of the issues right now is that we're so disconnected, especially from the animal, that we're consuming. And that's actually the problem. Uh, It's not so much eating the animal, kind of, but it's more our disconnection from the animal. So I think that, uh, how do I put this? For me, This is for me. This isn't for you. This isn't me judging you. This isn't me judging your food ethics or whatever. Um, But for me, I think that it is unethical to eat an animal that I'm not willing to kill myself. I think if you are eating animals, you need to be responsible for the whole thing. Like I think you need to go out, uh, murder the animal yourself, uh, kill it, cook it, skin it um get (laughs) uh get roast it and then eat it and bring it into your family uh that is an ethical way for me uh personally how I feel about like just killing an animal uh granted that might sound really weird to some of you but there is something that um about that process that I think is kind of, it's not like it's respect for the animal, but I think it's respect for the process. Like when you are so disconnected from the burger you're grilling on the grill and you don't know this animal, you have not seen this animal in its form, someone else killed that for you, and someone shipped it and put it in a plastic container and put it in your grocery store. You, you, you That burger isn't even a cow to you, right? It's just a piece of meat. Uh, and that's I think, is the problem. And I know personally that I could never go out in the wilderness and kill a cow. I could never kill a pig. I could never kill um, a chicken never 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 uh and actually that was a realization i had um in the documentary cowspiracy uh there was a point where uh the narrator of that documentary if you haven't seen cowspiracy i highly recommend it uh even if you eat meat and you're never going to be a vegan i think that it's a really good documentary on food in general but there was a scene in that documentary where the host like watches someone else kill a chicken and he's like yo I feel like I could never do that and if I can't do it then I don't think I could ask someone else to kill my animal for me and I totally resonated with that and that is ultimately like the main reason I stopped eating meat because I was just like you know what I yeah ethically I cannot ask someone to kill my animal for me and if I'm going to eat an animal I need to be willing to kill it granted (laughs) I did just say I eat fish I did just say I eat eggs so um I don't personally have like a pond in my backyard I don't go and like fish a pond or you know fish a trout or a salmon out of there and, you know, do it all myself. But I will say that I have fished before. I've caught a fish on a line before. And I think if it came down to it, I would be willing to kill a fish in like a survival sort of way, right? And same with eggs. Actually, it's one of my long term goals. If I ever am lucky enough to like live on the farm that I really want to live in, and I want to have all these animals, uh, I want to have like my own chicken coop where I don't have to rely on getting like store-bought eggs and I can just, you know, harvest my eggs by myself or whatnot. But anyways, that's just a little bit about my food ethics and what I think about spirituality in food. Uh, Granted, if you, whatever you eat, if you're a vegan, if you're a vegetarian, pescatarian, meat eater, Uh, being spiritual does call you to think more deeply about your food and about what you are ingesting in your body. And like, regardless, I, well, I do think that it's totally possible to be an amazing practitioner, uh, and eating meat at the same time. That's totally possible. But I also think that, um, maybe if you're if you're trying to go on the spiritual path but you're eating fast food like every, you know, couple of days and you don't really watch what you eat and you're ingesting a bunch of processed sugars and just stuff that's not good for you uh, you know, your body, as cliche as it sounds, your body is a temple and your body needs to be respected and your body is a spiritual vessel, right? So the more you respect your vessel, um, the more sp- spirit is going to respect you in a way uh it's kind of like me like in my room uh if I'm about to do an Etsy reading I make sure my room is completely cleaned because it's disrespectful to spirit if you know you're doing a reading in a messy place right Same goes for your body, right? You're going to have to follow your intuition. How many times do we wake up and we sit there and we intuitively ask ourselves, what does my body need right now today? Most of us don't do that. Most of us just wake up, you know, have our coffee, have our toaster waffle. We're out the door. We're not thinking deeply about what we're eating. And I think that's the issue, right? That's the only thing I would call you to think about more. It's not about really changing, like if you're eating meat or whatever. It's more about a call to action. Start thinking deeper about what you're putting into your body. And I think this also comes naturally on the spiritual path, right? You start thinking about these things. You start wanting to treat your body better because the better your physical body feels the better you can feel in a psychic reading. At least that's my experience, right? So again, no shade to anybody, no judgment. Uh, this is just my path. You're wel- You're very, very welcome to disagree with me. If you want to have a conversation, you can totally DM me on Instagram. Uh, I would love to hear your opinion. And uh, yeah, so that's what I wanted to say about the food stuff. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention is... Uh, uh, the soulmate and twin twin flame thing. Uh, I answered a question about this on my blog like a long time ago, but I just wanted to bring it up again because it's something that comes up in my readings a lot. Not so much on Etsy, but uh, more in person readings. People will mention that they feel as though uh, this person is their soulmate or that person is their twin flame. And like, what do I think about that? And they sort of have me, you know, tap into that. Now, uh, again, I don't mean to be offending people, uh, but I'm going to be really honest here. Uh, I would, if you believe in soulmate, that romantic soulmate, that the, the idea that you have another half of, of your soul that is connected to someone else, and you are only complete if you have this other half. Um, I think you should probably reassess that. <laughs> uh, so from my understanding, like the sort of pop culture understanding of a soulmate is what I just said. Like you have um like this other half that you are incomplete without. And a twin flame is more like a, a sexual connection to someone. Uh, but for some reason, like, you guys just can't be together in this life. But you guys are very physically immediately attracted to each other. Okay. Uh, again, eh, eh. <laughs> God, like, guys, I can't tell you how, uh, how much I hate when people start talking about these twin flames, these soulmates in readings. And, again, I try to withhold judgment because... These sorts of phrases are thrown around so much in... Um, pop culture, spirituality—certainly uh, many, many, many Madame Liotas uh, out there uh, make money off of offering soulmate and twin flame readings. Uh, so this is a huge uh, area of capitalization in the spiritual community. In my opinion, uh, people who speak seriously about that twin flame soulmate things i think that's a very very low form of spirituality and again i don't mean to offend anybody and i don't mean to burst anybody's bubble this is just how i feel from spirit um what we're actually feeling when we feel like we have a soulmate or a twin flame connection here's what we're actually feeling it's kind of the same thing when our souls choose to reincarnate into our bodies there, I am a believer that we have some sort of soul contract. We sort of have an agreement with other souls that we will meet each other and we will learn lessons from each other, right? And many, many, many times that lesson is not about staying together. <laughs> that lesson is actually about coming together, making mistakes together, learning from that and parting ways, right? okay? And that's not what people want to hear. Uh, Actually, I find more and more, the more um, people ask about soulmates or twin flames with me, uh, I find that they are actually using it as a coping mechanism uh, for uh, like stagnating their life, if that makes sense. I, I actually, I shouldn't say coping mechanism. I think that's the wrong word. I think it's sort of simply a mechanism, a subconscious mechanism for not moving forward, for stagnating them themselves in a level of comfortability. So I think for some people, it becomes comfortable to have a toxic relationship surrounding who they perceive as their twin flame, and then they use that as an excuse not to move on. So we could find, you know, person comes in and, you know, I'm not saying this actually happened, but let's just give this in nice this example. Person comes in, um, let's say they perceives someone to be their twin flame, but this someone also uh, never commits to them. Uh, is always fucking them over, It shows no signs of actually ever being with them, maybe this person says a lot of stuff, like, I want to marry you, I-, I love you, I feel connected to you, yet they're con- consistently canceling their plans with them, they're not showing them, they're not showing up, their actions aren't meeting their words. I find that people even if this is all happening people will still stay in this toxic situation because for some reason the internet told them that this was their twin flame like oh my god like that's just oh that just makes me ill like and that's where mal the mean psychic <laughs> comes in cuz I will that's the one thing I will not the one thing, but I'm going to burst your bubble. Like if you come into my room and you start talking about twin flames and psychics or twin flames and soulmates, sorry, I'm going to start to burst your bubble because I just don't, I don't buy it. I think it's a poor, very, very poor excuse for staying in something toxic. And I just don't like it. Uh, just, but also, you know, the, the, The legitimacy is there because I think subconsciously us as humans, we feel that we are quote unquote fated to meet certain people and learn certain lessons. But also as humans, we don't want to accept that those lessons are sometimes hard to learn. And those lessons often have to do with walking away, right? Uh, And I think it's always important to note that your soul is very much complete without anybody else. You do not need you would you never need another half of anything to complete you. I'm sorry. You do not share a soul with anybody else except yourself and your own reincarnations. There's not a part of your soul that's really connected to someone else. That's not to say you don't, you can't have very, very deep, 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 deep connections with people. Um, that's totally valid, but it has nothing to do with your soul being like finding its other half. Like you are completely whole. So I just wanted to touch on that. Um, for, for anybody who has asked about, like, how I think of Soulmates and Twin Flames, I also think, like, uh, I think it's, again, the discrepancy between a younger and an older generation of psychics. I think, uh, well, granted, I see young psychics, you know, saying stuff about Twin Flames and Psychic in, um, Twin Flames and Soulmates, but I think in the next, uh, let's say as our generation, you know, grows and becomes more aware, I don't think we're going to be talking about soulmates and twin flames for a much longer time. Like, I just think more people are having realizations. And if you do have like connection to spirit uh, I mean, I can't speak for anybody else but myself. But like, it it becomes apparent at least from me and my guides. Like my guides will let me know, oh, yeah, this person, you know, they they were supposed to meet each other, of course, and they were supposed to learn stuff from each other. But that doesn't mean that they're supposed to be together, right? So that's that. Um. Okay. And then the last thing I want to touch on. Uh, let's see who else I can offend. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I've, like, tackled, like, the most, like, the two topics that are, like, most likely to offend people, like, veganism and soulmates. <laughs> what else can we touch on? Uh, so, the other thing I wanted to say, this is more about witchcraft. Uh, there's, uh, in the past uh, couple months since I've been doing this professionally, I've uh, done quite a few uh, abundance spells And manifestation rituals and things like that. And I've really been using like the new moon and the full moon to help me manifest and let go and go on my path. Um, One thing, and as a, you know, witch, a baby witch, that I didn't fully, I wasn't fully aware of until, you know, I actually did an abundance spell. Uh, But be careful when you're doing an abundance spell, uh, because if you're trying to attract like money or uh, clients or, you know, your dream job or whatever kind of abundance you're trying to attract and you create a spell or a ritual and you put that intention into something and you go forth with the spell, well, again, We have to look at the fundamental rules of magic, which uh, is energy is neither created nor destroyed. It is only transformed. So know that what you want, the abundance that you are seeking already exists, right? It already exists in the astral. As humans, we just need to figure out how to get to that uh, abundance. So if we call that in, uh, know that a lot of Abundance Spells actually will feel really horrific, <laughs> at least from my perspective. Like um, some Abundance Spells have caused Tower Card moments for me. Um, if you're really calling in something, uh, the universe is going to give it to you and they're going to give you that shift, right? So if you're going to call in an X amount of money, per month with an abundance spell, guess what's going to come next? It's not going to be the paycheck immediately, but the universe will start to serve you on a platter. What is it within your self-worth that's keeping you from making money, right? Well, what is in your relationship with money that's toxic, why, um, like, that's what's going to happen, right? Like, because in order to manifest abundance, we're going to have to examine exactly what is off in our lives, that why we can't receive this abundance. Because again, the abundance that we want already exists, right? But it's our own, um, our own shadow sides and our own egos and our own challenges that sort of keep us from getting this Um, like let's, I want to give you guys a concrete example. Um, let me think. Let's say Susie wants to start making, uh, $5,000 a month from selling her artwork. So she, you know, does a spell, you know, she calls in a goddess. She does the whole thing, la la la. Um, the spell is in place. Um, guess what happens the next day? Actually, Susie has a client that consistently orders things from her, but then somehow shorts her in the payment or rips her off. But for some reason, Susie continues to work with this client. Uh, So this client comes in the next day and she wants to order a painting. Susie knows that in her highest good, this client is not in her highest good, right? This client keeps fucking her over. She, you know, doesn't pay for entirely for the artwork she orders. It's just a clusterfuck. So actually in that moment, Susie has to take the loss and she has to say, I'm sorry to this client. I don't want your money anymore. I don't want to work with you anymore. Goodbye. And she actually, in a way, loses money in that instance. And that's after she did an abundance spell. So that doesn't make sense logically, but spiritually that makes a lot of sense because in order to get the abundance that Susie is looking for for her artwork, she has to clear out any clientele that is not in her highest good. And the reason she has to clear those people out is because new clientele wants to come in now because she's calling them in. And now these new clients, they're very serious about Susie's artwork. They, they want to pay her up front. And in fact, that's her. those are her ethics now. She says, if you want to work with me, if you want to order one of my paintings, you're going to have to pay me ASAP. Um, so that's sort of a pro- the process behind the scenes of an abundance spell. So I guess I'm saying this for the baby witches who may be naive <laughs> about, like, including me, you know, I like about doing magic and stuff uh, w- for manifesting things. Know that uh, abundance spells may inherently take things away. <laughs> they may inherently start to shift things in your life that weren't working. And the things that weren't working may very much be... Your comfort zone, right? Uh, your your comfort zone, your your attachments, uh, the abundance spell may start to take that away. And they, the abundance spell may start to make you feel extremely, extremely uncomfortable. Uh, so just know that that's with anything with manifesting and abundance. like. And I'm not saying don't do your manifestation abundance spells because I think you should, right? but don't be surprised when you know things have to change because you can't just call in a big fat paycheck and keep doing exactly the same thing that you've been doing all along, right? Uh, who knows? You could very well call in more money and suddenly you feel called to quit the job that you're very much comfortable in. And now you have to go seek out a new job because that's where the bigger paycheck lies. But in doing that, that's very uncomfortable for you to put yourself in that situation. So realize again, like energy, again, it's not create, it's only transformed, it's only transformed into a new, uh, into a new and bigger picture so that's the other thing i wanted to say to my baby witches out there and i think that's about all i had to say so i hope you enjoyed my rambles thanks so much for listening guys i really appreciate um all your feedback all your orders on etsy it really helps me out and even you commenting on my pictures on instagram it, it just makes me so happy. So thanks so much. Um, if you enjoy this podcast, make sure to share it with a friend. And we'll see you, I'll see you next week for the Taurus season episode. So thanks, guys. Have a great week.